Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast that's at its best off script. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who is tied for first place with me in the pick'em pool. Oh yeah, we are. That's me, Ryan Newman. And by the other brother, who's not? No. I'm nipping at your guys' heels, though. Trey Newman. Yeah, you're doing well, too. Uh, okay, on today's episode, we are going to discuss our takeaways from the big games from week two, and we're going to make our against-the-spread picks for week three. But first, we, of course, have to touch on the Big Ten. They announced their Council of Presidents and Chancellors have unanimously voted to begin the fall football season on the weekend of October 24th, and they have really kind of adopted the, the most stringent protocols of any conference. All players, coaches, and trainers are going to undergo daily antigen testing. The earliest that an athlete who tests positive can come back is 21 days, and the season lot. is going <laughs> to... What's that? It's a lot. 21 days. Like It is. Yeah, for sure. Uh, season's going to be eight games in eight weeks, plus one. So essentially nine games because on championship weekend, uh, not only is the number one team from the West going to play the number one team from the East, but two will play two, three on three, all down the line. Um, so that, uh, that kind of wraps it up. The, the craziness in the Big Ten over the last few weeks. What are your guys' thoughts on the final result here? I mean, I've, of course, I'll, I'll take it. Uh, obviously not ideal, but, but uh, better than nothing. Let's put it that way, you know, as a fan of the Big Ten. But you touched on it, Michael. The, their guidelines or their rules are the strictest out there. The 21 days is crazy. Not crazy. Like, I'm a doctor. I'm not saying that. It's just yeah, crazy yeah, yeah. Compa- relative to the other uh, general rules that we've, we've seen. And then the other thing is they, they outlined where, you know, if a team or 5% of their team gets it, uh, they have to not practice or even play for a full week. 5% is not that much. Like, if you have a 150-man roster – we're talking less than 10 guys getting it so they're really going to have to make sure these athletes are are in as much of a bubble as, as possible to to prevent this um and 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 then the last part you mentioned that the eight games in eight weeks not a lot of leeway not a lot of flexibility to, yeah. to make up any games which some of the other conferences are that are starting earlier that's an advantage where they have some some built-in off weeks so you have to think it's likely that there's going to be multiple games or teams that won't get to play a full slate which is unfortunate but uh i hope not we'll see yeah yeah that's kind of the only issue i guess i would have with starting so late i mean i know they can't start tomorrow or anything or this weekend but i mean why would they i can't they start a week earlier and give themselves like one insert one bye week in there what's the i mean i'm not sure i'm assuming they really thought it through and this was kind of the earliest i guess a full month seems like you know. They said that the twenty. They thought about the seventeenth, and they said that extra week for the to pro- provide enough testing is what they'll need. I mean, that's what they're saying. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, I guess it's better than than having absolutely no football. But I did wish they would have maybe come to this conclusion a little bit sooner. Like they really treaded treaded water here. Seemed like for quite a while. Um, they could have got. I mean, it seems like they've had this decision done for maybe a few, at least a few days. And I don't know. It just everything was a little tardy. Seeming like if they were more transparent, I mean, and just, we have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. I'm sure they were going as fast. That's as what's they the could. problem. Like that's kind of the issue I have is it was zero transparency with the Big Ten. We, we nobody knew anything, so I just it was just a lack of clarity. I mean, other conferences have not been like that. They are pretty. I'm not sure that that's clear. true. Like, have we seen the reason? You know, I mean, people are suing the we're suing the Big Ten because they they didn't kind of give lay out all the reasons why they canceled. But it's yeah. sort of different when a conference decides they're playing like no one's suing the SEC saying, give us all the information as to why you've decided to play. It's just kind of accepted, you know. Well, I'm I am hearing you, but I wish that they would have just been more communicative, like because yeah. people aren't going to get mad as, as much, of course, as you don't, you know, like to, to play like the SEC is like. There's, I'm sure there's people out there, of course, and they're fine. Like they wish they wouldn't play, mm-hmm. but I mean, as we as we've seen, the vast majority of people want want to play. So I feel like you know when you're a fan, when you're somebody that's greatly affected by this, the, the communities. If you don't play, I feel like they deserve an answer. Why? Right. No, that's true. That's why they ran into such big issues. The Pac-12, yeah. like we talked about, they were 
they released the the report from their their medical team and had a lot less backlash i mean for a variety of reasons but that was one of the reasons they really yeah. laid it all out there hey here's why we don't think we're good to go yet exactly exactly um but i guess like overall ignoring the messaging like you said ryan because that was horrible they they did clearly did not handle that well the actual result here i think is is reasonable like you know uh, six weeks ago or whatever whatever it was there they took the advice of their medical advisors that said given the information they had at the time pursuing the season was too risky so they postponed it uh and here we are six weeks later they've reevaluated the decision i guess new information has come out that they're testing of course, apparently is, yeah the daily rapid that testing the, is kind of the key factor yes that's that's the main factor and of course another factor is for sure the backlash or just the, yeah. the public outcry and and push for this to happen they wouldn't have come back to the table you know maybe if it, if it weren't for that so i think they're kind of both factors that contributed to it if there was only a public outcry without any changes in terms of testing i'm not sure that this would be happening right now but do you guys see a fine bomb today given like he was like saying this is all due to ohio state like if got to give ohio state credit for fighting back here for this you want some credit for nebraska i mean goodness gracious yeah they got they just got so much flack come on there's a lot of ohio state writers let's see let's let's talk about who really got the ball rolling there huh come on (laughs) all right no it's true that nebraska and ohio state were certainly seems like the two big ones pushing for this it's true um all right well there you go. We're back. Big Ten will be back. Others are coming back too, I would think. Pac-12. Yeah, it seems like now the Pac-12, a lot of news today about them kind of talking pretty with much the impossible for them not governors to. of California and Oregon trying to, to get back to practice. It seems like I just Mountain read West before we is... came on the podcast that USC and UCLA are going to be able to go back to practice soon. So oh, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll be talking about that, I'm sure, in the coming weeks. The Mountain West is coming up with a plan too that came out tonight. So oh, yeah. we'll, we'll see all right stuff's happening uh let's uh let's get to the the week two recap and we'll start with a game that feels like forever ago now it was on thursday miami won at home against uab 31 to 14 what did you think of the the new offense trey you know it was uh it took a while as expected Mm -hmm. for miami and Derek king to to kind of get their rhythm under the new Rhett lashley offense (laughs) Rhett lally uh (laughs) You know, they were only up 14-7 at half, and UAB was hanging tough, but obviously the Canes ended up pulling away in the, the second half. They leaned heavily on the uh, the run game. Cameron Harris, 134 yards and two scores. Derek King also ran pretty well. As a team, they ran for over 300 yards. And then on the defensive side, it was kind of what you'd expect. They did what they, they had to do. That's a, it's a strong unit. Um, they looked pretty solid, you know, holding UAB in check most of the night. Uh, what did What did you guys take out of this one i mean i i'm kind of with you I, i'm not saying that the miami offense is is great or anything but it was promising like i liked the the pace of the offense they ran a ton of plays and it was that that pace combined with the fact that uab's offense just could not stay on the field i think that really kind of led to miami's success running the ball because that uab def- uab defense was appeared to be tired in that second half um, and then, of course, just the threat of Derek King on those zone reads also contributes to uh, the running backs having having a great day. Um, Cameron Harris looked great, uh, the two freshmen as well. So that was nice to to have 337 rushing yards. But ultimately, I think the passing game still remains a question mark. Um, you know, it's the, the offensive line is not good in protecting Derek King. He was kind of just having to improvise a lot, which was working. He was making some some great plays um but i don't know we just need to see consistent passing offense before we uh before i can count on them being a great offense or even yeah, a good offense yeah exactly i not sold at all yet on that that group uh just the offensive line's not going anywhere like they're not going to be great at any point this year dear king's just gonna have, i they dominated on the ground here they obviously had like you stated michael uab's offense really helped them out by just not being able to do anything that really contributed to miami being able to just wear out uab but you know what are they going to do when they face an offense that's good an offense that can stick on the field even against the used defense and they need to rely on that passing game and they can't dominate rushing like they did how will they respond probably not so well i think uh just i don't know i'm not 
I don't look at this game and change my opinion at all, really, of Miami there. I knew they had a pretty good defense. I knew the offense would, uh, you know, have some hiccups. But, I mean, maybe I'm slightly more positive on them than I was. Yeah, I think think I'm a little bit more positive. Yeah. but still, but yeah, not the, the jury's conclusive. the jury's still a little bit out. We don't know. We don't have enough answers exactly. yet. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. Well, let's get to some uh, struggles from the Big Twelve, particularly against the Sun Belt. Louisiana pulled off the upset at Iowa State, thirty-one to fourteen. I thought the game was probably a little bit closer than that score would indicate. Louisiana had a couple of special teams touchdowns, but still, it was it was still a legitimate victory on the road for for Billy Napier. So huge for. For that program as for iowa state um the defense was great that's that's as expected the offense was terrible though brock purdy had probably his worst game ever 16 of 35 145 yards and a pick which but i'm honestly i'm not panicking like it, it's not it's not great to see but game one last year against northern iowa it took him like double or triple overtime to win that game against an fcs team and iowa state went on to be just fine last year they had a winning record in the big 12 almost won at OU at Baylor um so I kind of expect the same thing to happen again I mean maybe I revise my expectations for Iowa State down a little bit maybe one win or so in in conference but I still think they'll be pretty good yeah I, I'm not totally hitting the panic button um I mean it is always alarming when you you lose as a double digit favorite but Louisiana's good like that's a good team they played. Mm-hmm. So it's really, I mean, they beat, they would have beaten Kansas State. They would have beaten Kansas. They would have probably beaten Texas Tech. They would have competed well with, who am I missing? Uh, West Virginia. You know, like there's teams, mm-hmm. they'd be a solid team in the Big 12. So losing to them, it, you can't just overreact to it, especially since it's the first game. Um, and like Michael said, they had a couple of kind of fluky plays, whatever, a couple punt, re- uh, one punt return, one kick return. It's not going to happen every game, you know? Mm-hmm. Because outside of that, it was neck and neck. This game was neck and neck. Uh, uh, Louisiana Lafayette had one super deep bomb, 78 yards. It wasn't like they were consistently putting together drives, you know, uh, until the very, very end. They had one nice drive. But um, it was just a very even game. And remember, Iowa State was without their tight end, the best tight end maybe in college football. So I think that would have been a little bit different story if uh, uh, Purdy had him to throw to. So. Um, not overreacting. They get uh, TCU, I think, coming the following week. That's a huge one just for them to bounce back because then uh, the week after they play OU. So, you know, they go and win Fort Worth and win there, which certainly is more than possible. You know, I don't, I think we'll be kind of back on the, the bandwagon here. Yeah. And for Louisiana, it was their, only their second ever top 25 win. They beat A&M back in 96, I saw. But yeah, obviously the two big special teams plays were were maybe the difference or what whatever, but they also missed a couple of field goals. So it they they had chances to really kind of salt this game away even more impressively. Mm-hmm. I mean they, they ended up winning comfortably. But yeah, you mentioned Charlie Kohler, Ryan. They also were missing uh their right guard, but I don't I don't think that was really the the difference in this one. They they dropped a couple balls in the first half that could have maybe changed and sustained some drives that would have helped. So like you guys, I'm not completely discouraged. Uh, I they have the whole Big Twelve slate ahead of them. That's really what they're this season's about. So I don't. Yeah. Uh, I'm not. I'm not off the uh, off the wagon quite yet. Yeah, Mm-mm. it's not like they were looking to make the playoff or anything. They all their goals are still kind of in front of them. Yep. Uh, okay. Next one uh, from the Sun Belt: Arkansas State beat Kansas State 35-31 on a late touchdown pass from. Lane Hatcher to Jonathan Adams. Ryan, what'd you see in this one? Yeah, this one was, uh, what a great game this was. It didn't feel like it was really a fluke here uh, for Arkansas State. They were, it looked like they were just the better team in this game. Um, they were even minus two, you know, in the turnover battle. So they had to, they were kind of a little bit of a, in a hole there and still won. They had more rushing yards. They had more passing yards. Of course, they had more total yards. Uh, far better on third down. Arkansas State held them to to uh, K-State one for one of 11 on third downs. I mean, that's rough for K-State just converting one third down. Um, you already mentioned Jonathan Adams. What a great game he had. Three touchdown catches. I mean, he was he was awesome. When you have a guy like that, it it's just makes such a huge difference. You can just throw it up to him at, like the last play. Just throw it up to him and yeah. he'll just go get it. Like That was like a 30-yard pass and Hatcher was under pressure and just kind of, I mean, it was just a great play to kind of win the game there. And, um you know what's funny? Arkansas State had four guys complete passes in this game. 
Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Guys. They ran a couple wide receiver. Yeah, uh, and trick three plays. guys, three guys threw a touchdown pass. So, and Logan Bonner, I think it was him that made the catch on that one play. That was a, a great Legit. catch for a quarterback. So kind of crazy. I've never really seen four guys on one team maybe complete a pass. It's pretty rare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I was just really impressed with Arkansas State. They were also down eight or nine starters from a from a year ago in this game, and they still. It's just not a good look for for K State. Yeah, that defense up, lost a lot, but giving up almost looks solid. Uh, giving up almost 500 yards of offense. That's probably the most concerning part of K State because K State's recipe last year for their success was their defense and their run game, and the run game wasn't good either. They that that was an issue. Um, Skylar Thompson did did okay actually through the air, better than yeah. you know I would have anticipated. Um, but I mean the Red Wolves held them to under 100 yards on the ground. That's it's not K State's not going to lose all five months of offensive linemen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but and in Arkansas State, it's only their second ever win against a Power Five program since moving to FBS in '92, and wow, that was kind of surprising. And that was also, I believe, against Texas A and M. I think Texas A and M's the theme here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just kind of echo what what you guys said, particularly with uh, you bring up the. Good defense hey, and running the ball. The theme? Did I miss something? Oh no! Did, on the first, I said Louisiana. Their only other win against the top twenty-five team oh, was okay. Texas A&M. Right. Whoops. Ryan tuned yeah, out. Tuned you out the first one. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. That's what I do? No, but that I, I guess I'm worried about both trenches because the D line they lost a, a lot of pieces, especially from that interior. Um, and then you mentioned the offensive line losing everyone, so not a good start. And they play at OU in their next game, so it could be <laughs> could be zero and two. L. Um. Okay, and Skylar Thompson, by the way, he did overall have have a good game through the air. Missed a couple of big throws that could have been could have been touchdowns. Sure. So that, yeah, you know, you wish he had those back. But uh, next one we have here is Coastal Carolina at Kansas. Another Sun Belt victory, right? Yeah, the Fun Belt man. They made a statement on Saturday. Uh, this was fun to watch late on uh, Saturday night. The Chanticleers they they dominated thirty eight twenty three. It was twenty eight to three at half. They ended up going with freshman uh, Grayson McCall at quarterback, and he looked like an experienced junior out there. He had five touchdowns, three in the air, two on the ground. Um, Miles Kendrick for Kansas came in uh, for relief for Kansas, and he led a, a pretty decent rally. Uh, but they were just too far. The Jayhawks were too far behind. Uh, it was in it. What was telling was right off the bat when uh, Coastal got an interception, and then they ran the ball nine times in a ten-play drive and punched in with the touchdown that kind of set the tone. Uh, I know Kansas had, you know, quite a few players not dressed because of COVID, maybe only a couple starters, but this game was all shot to clears. Yep. Nice win. And then uh, the last struggling big 12 team we have here is Texas tech Oof. barely surviving at home against Houston Baptist. They won 35, 33 and Baptist missed a two point conversion at the end to tie and I'm actually just going to play a clip here from uh, my preview uh, last episode of this game. Houston Baptist at Texas Tech. Red Ravers favored 39 and a half. And they gave up a ton of big plays last year. And last week against North Texas, Houston Baptist actually threw for 480 yards. So maybe a tiny bit of a, of a test for, for Texas Tech. But if they're improved, they should... Uh, definitely give up a lot less than 480 yards uh, yeah, yeah i would think nope whoops <laughs> nope Ouch. <laughs> apparently they have not improved because bailey zappy for houston baptist had 567 passing yards <laughs> four touchdowns no interceptions i mean yeah this is just the defense Yikes. is obviously terrible um they brought back a lot of starters they brought in some yeah. transfers in the offseason so you thought maybe they'd be improved but uh yeah not not looking like it at least after game one no nah, i went over on my over on texas tech this year i'm i mean at least they won but at least they got the win <laughs> that's i think we all went over, over yeah, north texas just got just north texas the last week just whooped up on houston baptist by like 26 27 mm-hmm. not a good look red okay, raiders 39 and a half point dog and they almost went once to overtime that's, that's crazy Wow. All right. Oh. Last game uh, that we'll cover in detail here. Florida State went down 16 to 13 at home against Georgia Tech in Mike Norvell's debut for the Seminoles. Ryan, 
what happened yeah. here. More of the same here for for the Seminoles. Just disappointing. Uh, started off looking pretty solid, you know, up ten nothing at the end of the first quarter. Good good looking drive there early on. Uh, they had a little rhythm, it seemed like, but they just that was, was like scripted plays or something because they had nothing mm-hmm. after that. It was just nothing. I mean, Georgia Tech shut them down, and Georgia Tech's D, of course, as we know, is not exactly gangbusters. Um, I mean, they've maybe they've improved, but that yeah. would be a huge leap for them to be uh, really good. So. At this point, you got to be pretty disheartened for or about maybe uh, James Blackman. Uh, I know a lot of uh, FSU fans have certainly given up on him. Uh, maybe they gave up on him last year. I had some some hope for him. You know, he had some moments as a freshman that was seems like forever ago now. Um, but on the flip side, man, just great huge win here for for Jeff Collins and Georgia Tech. I mean, winning on the road at Florida State uh, with a true freshman QB got to be a great sign coming off of a, uh, a rough first year. So. Speaking yeah. of that freshman, though, Jeff Sims, uh, very good showing here for for him on his first for first first game, first action. Yeah, two kind of freshman throws, but <laughs> two uh, very one, very bad plays. But two like, okay, you know, this is uh, who, who who threw some of those like for USC a couple was it was it Slovis at the beginning of last year? It was like, dude, what was that? Yeah, maybe uh, maybe Slovis. Yeah, just he just threw it like right that, to a guy. Like, like BYU, really? he had a bad game. But yeah, yeah. It's like maybe Darnold a few years ago, he would have some. Maybe games that like was that. it. But it was just like, dude, how did you throw it right? I don't know. Anyways, he was good outside of those. So he had uh, he threw for nearly three hundred and rushed for for sixty five yards. So um, I mean, I need to see a little more from him before I kind of like jump on the bandwagon and you mm-hmm. know think he's going to be really good. But like, you know, it's a very promising start for sure. Yeah, just those two picks to asante samuel jr who had a great game for florida state but not a lot of seminoles had good games um really both sides of the ball weren't good just especially the offense they dropped passes offensive line no surprise was terrible and it wasn't helped by the fact that they had a bunch of injuries up front in this game during the game so um yeah blackman three turnovers i just think they look like a team that has a whole new staff and and a a bad offseason for that so i'm I don't think they're going to reach their goals this year. It looks like a transition year. Yeah, I mean, the Yellow Jackets did what they had to do. They uglied it up, and they pulled it out. The one thing I will say for Florida State is that the game was kind of weird since there were two hours of weather delays. So there was it was kind of an awkward day, but, I mean, they they didn't deserve to win in the end. I mean, especially Georgia Tech overcame missed kicks. Marvin oh. Wilson was blocking a couple. Yeah, and yeah. Like that, oh. it was, that was pretty crazy. They couldn't get a kickoff, but... Um, but yeah, I was I'm I'm encouraged by Georgia Tech, but I'm not ready to write off Florida State though, just because it is a new staff and no off mm-hmm. season. So you know they might be able to show some progress, but yeah, they're not going to go to the Orange Bowl or anything this year. But yeah, uh, no, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, they'll get better as the season goes on for sure. Uh, okay, let's see. Rapid recaps time, Ryan. What do you got? All right first game i got uh it was duke at notre dame uh slow start in this one here for the irish they were like three touchdown favorites going in and uh you know give give duke credit they uh they hung in they were it's like a four-point game going into the fourth quarter so it was really up for grabs uh but the irish they did own the fourth quarter and ended up winning 27 to 13 ian book was okay he wasn't great in this one um but enough i guess um but their running back, Kyron Williams, looked pretty darn good. Uh, looks like they found somebody there to kind of take over the, the ground game for sure. So uh, he, he looked good. Notre Dame still gets uh, one more week to kind of work out the kinks. They got South Florida coming in uh, this week. So they should, uh, they're should. they like four touchdown favorites in that one. So maybe they can kind of get the their engines revving a little bit louder here for this uh, next one. Um, let's move on to the next one. We got some FCS matchups here. Uh, we have uh, Missouri State. At OU, uh, this was about as big of a mismatch as I've ever witnessed. Or, well, I guess I didn't even see it because he had to pay a million dollars on pay per view to be able <laughs> yeah. to watch it. But <laughs> saw some highlights. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but that was about it. Uh, it was like twenty-eight nothing, like ten minutes into the game. It was just like OU would score in a second, and then Missouri State would go three and out, and they'd have like false start, false start, false start. I was watching GameCast, and it's like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was just horrible. They had Missouri State 100, 135 total yards in the game. OU just, they didn't convert a single third down. Spencer Rattler looked really good, of course. I mean, hard not to. He was pretty pretty impeccable. 
Um, so that was that was very encouraging and not surprising, right? I mean, we yeah, it's like why should why shouldn't be surprised? It's a horrible here. team they're playing, and it's OU. So and the guy was top 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 recruit Lincoln Riley. Yeah, they were going to do good. So forty one nothing at halftime, uh, and they but OU really slowed down. Really, they slowed down after the first quarter. They just took the their foot off the gas, and um, they'd only scored seven points in the second half. Final was forty eight nothing, which made a lot of us happy having plus. 49 on Missouri <laughs> State. That was weird covering by one point on a 48 nothing game, but it worked. All right, let's move on to, this is cold-blooded. We're moving to UTEP at Texas. UTEP is not FCS. Uh, it's another blow there to UT- UTEP for saying they're FCS, but maybe the other way around. Maybe it's a blow for FCS saying that UTEP belongs there. You know, either way, know. This, this, this was like the OU game. It was just total annihilation. 45-3 to three at halftime. Ellinger literally was just throwing the ball to wide open guys left and right. It was target practice. Um, he was nearly perfect. Uh, they ended up winning 59 to three. Good warm up here for Texas. You know, OU Texas just both had cakewalks. Mm-hmm. And finally, um, no, I have two more. Oh boy. Uh, Eastern Kentucky at West Virginia. <laughs> East, just saw that Eastern Kentucky at West Virginia. Uh, bad FCS team here, but West Virginia rushed for 329 yards in a game, which if you go to last year, they were, couldn't do that against anybody so yeah that's that's promising uh, why not that looks promising they had a couple guys go over 100 yards Jarrett Dagey looked really good so defense was good as well good start good 56 to 10 win um they got Oklahoma State next weekend so good uh good good for big first test for them oh I have three more oh man wow <laughs> sorry two more after this now Austin P at Pitt sorry I'll go a little quicker Pitt's defense <laughs> still really good they smothered Austin P Austin P rushed for just one yard flip side Kenny Pickett was really good you know, Austin P, but uh, they didn't really run the ball that well, though. So that's a little concerning, uh, but hard to complain when you win 55 to nothing. And finally, I got Campbell at Georgia Southern. Crazy game here. This one was, uh, you know, first off, just because Georgia Southern was missing 33 guys, um, but, you know, mainly due to COVID. But so it was a pretty even matchup going in. Uh, Campbell scored a touchdown with like less than 30 seconds to go in the game to go down by one. Decided to go for two, go for the win. Mike Minner's their coach, right? So Mike Minner, the oh. former Nebraska player. Uh, who played for Osborne. It's like, oh, got to go for two, right? Didn't get it. <laughs> Worked out about and, as uh, well as for Osborne. Did, yeah, exactly. Shy Words had a big game for George Southern. Good running game. So uh, anytime you're missing 33 guys and you win, I don't care who you're playing, right? That's You'll take the dub and get out of there. So yep. there you go. All right. Uh, North Carolina won at home against Syracuse 31-6. to And this game was, was close at halftime, mostly because North Carolina's offense was turning it over. Uh, Sam Howell had a couple picks. They had, a, uh, I think, a punt, uh, muffed punt. So Syracuse was hanging in there, but their offense just could not do anything. It was horrible. It was atrocious. Offensive line is terrible. Tommy DeVito really just has no chance. So I don't see that changing anytime soon. If I'm a North Carolina fan, I'm happy with that performance because you can. I, I can deal with the offense being slow going for a little bit. It, it got going eventually, and you know the offense is going to be great, but it was nice to see the defense uh, dominate like it did. Yeah. Louisville took down Western Kentucky 35-21, and two of, of Western Kentucky's three touchdowns came on drives of one yard and four yards as a result of the, in one case, the punter fumbling, in the other case, uh, a punt block. So offense and defense for Louisville was dominant. Mikhail Cunningham is, I think, one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the country, and that offense just has a ton of weapons. So we'll, we'll get to see them this Saturday. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Uh, Tulane at South Alabama. Tulane was down 24 to six, but scored 21 answered to win by three closer than you'd like, uh, for Tulane, but wins a win and South Alabama after going two and 10 last year was this close to going two and oh, so they're, they're certainly better two pretty good teams. Well, we thought Southern Miss was supposed to be good. So yeah, it's not like you're playing two betting notes from some of your games before Austin P at Pitt. Yes, Pitt, yes. 55 to nothing. They won. They would have covered. Problem was, they ended up having 10-minute quarters in the second half because they were so far ahead in the, in the, at halftime. They had decided to go to 10-minute quarters. You need to play 55 minutes for the bet to count. So people like our own father who bet Pitt, the, the bet got canceled. So even though the they... Heck? I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a bad yeah. beat. And How do you decide... To do some, that's some teams before. do that when they're yeah. when they're just killing a team at half. They they do that. Like and then spring ball stuff. What the heck? And then Syracuse at North Carolina. I will die on a hill 
and say Syracuse was the right side. I don't think so, Trey. I don't think so. <laughs> like, they dominated them. I know. But it was, they were down like four at, at the fourth quarter. But, uh, but yeah, okay. Moving on. Clemson at Wake Forest. Uh, no real surprises here. Clemson won 37-13. Really wasn't that close. Clemson put up over 500 yards of offense. They throttled down late. ETN and Lawrence played like the superstars that they are. I was impressed, impressed with Clemson, just how they handled their business, and they don't look like they're they're slowing down. Um, I'm not going to overreact to Wake here. They they're not going to face a, a juggernaut each week, so I'm still looking forward to seeing what uh, Hartman and Clawson can do. Yep. All right, moving on to Charlotte at App State. App State actually needed two fourth quarter touchdowns to pull away to win 35 to 20. Statistically, though, they dominated this game, put up over 500 yards of offense. They held Charlotte in check on defense. The reason it was close is because App State turned it over three times. Charlotte returned a kickoff for a touchdown. So Charlotte did everything they could to ugly it up and and pull off an upset, but App State was too much. They replaced running back Darrington Evans very well, just fine. Marcus Williams had 8.4 yards per carry, so that's encouraging for App State. And finally, UTSA at Texas State. (laughs) This was probably the craziest game of the week. UTSA ended up winning 51-48 in double overtime. Uh, Texas State, though, they did have to scratch their their starting quarterback, Brady McBride, due to COVID, but Vitt stepped in. He has plenty of experience in the past. He played well enough. But here was the craziness. Texas State was driving with just over three minutes left, down by six. They throw an 81-yard pick six to go down 41-28. At the time, some of us that were watching that, uh, we were wondering why UTSA didn't go for two to go up by 14. It was, it mean, was you, dumb. It was dumb not to It go was really two. dumb. But you still thought, okay, there's only three minutes left. Like, they're still going to pull it out. Yeah. Anyways, Texas State scores a quick touchdown, cuts it to six. They force t- UTSA to, to punt quickly. Lo and behold, they return the punt, 91 yards for a touchdown to tie the game. Then, you, so at this point, UTSA is kicking themselves for not going over two. Texas State misses the extra point. <laughs> they go to, so then they go to overtime. They exchange touchdowns in the first overtime. And the poor Texas State kicker misses a field goal in overtime. UTSA ended up makes their field goal and wins. Crazy, crazy game. <laughs> That's rough. That's rough. That was a crazy game. All right. Well, if you would like to uh, bet some games like that, yeah, check out our sponsor. All right. Our sponsor, mybookie.ag. Uh, winning season at mybookie uh, returns. Uh, we got winning season means doubling your first deposit, means uh, survivor super contests and squares. Uh, at mybookie, uh, winning season means hitting all your parlays and props. Uh, you can just sit back now. We got a bunch of football games to watch. You can see your team play in action. Uh, now we a lot of Big Ten fans and see their teams in action here. So it's time to rejoice and just kind of celebrate the season in play. Um, we got promo code CFBROS. Uh, it's all caps CFBROS. So if you join in, you can double your first deposit up to $1,000. So if you put in $1,000, they will give you $1,000 in free play. So it gives you a lot of extra money just to have some fun and get more excitement. So mybookie.ag, use the promo code CFBROS. Okay, let's uh, get to our week three against the spread picks. Unfortunately, a little bit weaker slate than it could have been with Houston at Memphis postponed, Virginia at Virginia Tech, BYU at Army. Yeah, three of the four top games. But Houston uh, found another team to play. They're going at Baylor, and the Bears are favored four and a half. Who do you like here, Ryan? Yeah, the spread on this one has been kind of shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. That's a low spread. Uh, yeah, it's a very low spread for a lot of respect being given to Houston here. Uh, four and a half point dogs on the road against a team that was in the Big 12 title game last year, returns their quarterback. So that's, you know, uh, that's, uh, yeah, respect given for your, for, for Daner Holgerson's team. Um, tough game to handicap, though, I got to be honest with you. Both teams have some major unknowns. Of course, Baylor with their new head coach, Dave Aranda, and essentially a brand new defense with scheme and just new players. I mean, it's they lost practically everybody from last year. Um, so that, that's kind of got me worried for, for Baylor Houston with a ton of red shirts. And of course, transfers that are now ready to play after sitting out last year. So they'll look like a new team as well. But overall, who I think I got to go with, I think I got to go with Houston, even though it is a small spread. I think they're going to take a large step forward, uh, with all that new, all that new talent. Uh, I like Clayton Toon. I think he's a solid quarterback. Um, and they got a big time receiver market Stevenson back. So 
the O-line should be far, far better. They had 12 guys last year make a start on the O-line. I mean, that's just a revolving door. How are you supposed to be successful when you got no consistency on the O-line? So I think that's going to take a huge step forward. And we know Hogo knows how to coach offense. They'll move the ball. So they got better talent, better depth. I think uh, they can take advantage of Baylor. It's crazy that this is the first time these two teams have played since 95, considering in-state. Wow. Yeah, in-state, in-state teams. Wow. Um, And they, they scheduled this game within like hours because yeah. of the COVID outbreaks. It's pretty amazing, uh, especially nowadays when scheduling, they schedule it years in advance. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, but I, I, I like Houston. I'm kind of buying them this year. I, I just, I'm so curious to see if that Holgerson redshirting experience pans out, mix in the transfers like you mentioned, Ryan. I think uh, I think their offense is going to keep them in the game. Just too many unknowns on the Baylor side. Besides, you know, the Big 12 didn't exactly have a stellar showing last week, so maybe that trend will continue. So I'm mm-hmm, taking the yeah. points with Houston. I'm with you guys. I'm, I see Houston being just so maybe the most improved team in college football this year. So I'll take that that plus four and a half against a, you know, in general, I'm, I'm looking to bet against new coaching staffs just with this offseason. I'm sure I'll contradict myself at some point today, but... That's uh, generally what I'm trying to do. Um, yep. And I'm interested to see all those guys coming back on defense, all the Power 5 transfers for Houston, because that's the side of the ball that really next needs to take a massive step yeah. forward. Uh, next game, we have Boston College at Duke. Duke is favored six. And this is uh, Jeff Halfley's first game as BC head coach. Oh, good. I'm going to contradict myself right away. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, because you also got the other side, Chase Bryce, um, you know, new quarterback in a new system, though he did have have some success against Notre Dame. So I, I, I don't think he's going to struggle mightily this year, uh, especially against BC's defense, actually, because their secondary is is not very good. So that does cause some concern for me. But I just think BC can do enough on offense to keep this a close game. They've got a really good offensive line. I think David Bailey at running back is going to have a huge year. I don't think they're going to miss AJ Dillon at all. And that should Whoa. make at all i mean i don't i really don't little, think so i mean i least. think bailey's, bailey's been pretty productive yeah he no has, i'm not saying that daily i think bailey's gonna be great but you know dylan whatever it would be nice to have dylan fantastic. but i don't think it's a huge loss when you've got there you go that sounds better um and then so so yeah that kind of puts the quarterback in a good situation i'm thinking and hoping that phil Dracovic is going to be the starter the the transfer from notre dame because he's got a lot more upside but he is currently listed as the co-starter with Dennis Grossell so we'll have to to wait and see but yeah BC plus six I, I think they've got good pieces around the quarterback yeah um from what I saw from Duke in the obviously against Notre Dame that was you know they did impress me uh, I didn't expect them to really hang in quite as much as they did uh, the defense gave the Irish some trouble um I don't see why they wouldn't give uh Boston College a little trouble at the same time um especially with, with coming in with a new coach uh but you know on the flip side I don't think Duke's offense is really going to scare anybody i mean yes they did okay against notre dame i mean they only managed 13 points and bryce was not horrible right by any means but not great um so i just don't think no matter necessarily which team they're playing i don't think duke can really just go off on anybody and they're not going to be a high flying offense that's going to put up a ton of points and bc they do have enough returning pieces on that defense to be okay now they get their leading tackler back so i think they'll be able to keep up a fight here with duke just don't trust duke to be much better than another ACC team with a, with a good running game like BC. So yeah, I got to take the points with BC. Yeah, I know it. I know it's hard to give points with Duke and I'm a little reluctant, but I am going to give him, I'm going to pick Duke here. I, they have a game under their belt, which BC doesn't. And Chase Bryce was fairly competent. And you know, you're Ryan, you kind of belittled them only scoring 13 points. Notre Dame is very good. And they also had mm-hmm. two drives stall and they had to settle for field goals. So maybe that doesn't happen against BC. Well, you know, who knows? Um, and the BC just has a lot of questions. The new coaching staff, new quarterback. I do like their O-line and running back. The one thing on their defense is they're bringing in, just like last week, they got the Cal transfer, Luke Beckett, who was a tackle machine. So we'll see if he mixes in or plays at all this this first week. That could help that defense. But uh, with those unknowns, I'm going to take Duke. Okay, next game, Syracuse at Pitt. Pitt is favored 21 and a half, Trey. Ah, I have to do it. I have to go back and take that ugly Syracuse offense again. Oh, <laughs> um, should have covered last week. 
I mean, they were in the game. I know, I know there was reasons why they didn't, but uh, it really exploded that, there. At God, the end. that that offensive line is just. It, they did. North Carolina just really pulled away at the end. But anyways, the offensive line. You mentioned it earlier. They were just. They were so bad, and now they have to go up against a pretty good pit defense. But <laughs> but on the other side, Orn, the Syracuse defense did do fairly well against Sam Howell, especially for the first three quarters. Um, most of the game, so I, I don't see why they couldn't do something similar to to Pickett and Pitt. They're not going to put up a bunch of points, but I think they're going to rebound a little bit enough to generate enough offense to cover that big three touchdown spread. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going with you taking the points. I mean, Pitt's defensive line going up against that Syracuse O line does worry me big time, and really just the fact that Kenny Pickett against Austin P. I know it's an FCS opponent, but Pitt wasn't doing that against any teams. I feel like. Definitely not last year. It feels like for the last couple of years, they weren't putting up 55 points. So that is promising, but I, I got it. It's just too many points here in an ACC game. Uh, and like you said, that 3-3-5 defense for Syracuse looked at least better in game one than I, I thought it would look. Um, and maybe their offense can, well, I don't know if their offense is going to stay on the field much, but <laughs> to give them a break, but you know, I mean, they're not going up against Sam Howell this time. So I think that secondary can yeah. can challenge Pickett. This will just be the ne- next test for Pickett because I'm not buying in on him taking that massive step forward. He might. He might be doing it. This might be the year, but um, this is the, the next test for him. Yeah, I, I'm going with you guys. I'm kind of doing wow. the selling high and buying low on these squads. I'm trying to avoid the initial knee-jerk reaction after one week. You think Pitt's, oh, their offense is pretty good now, and their defense is still amazing. Oh, Syracuse's offense is horrible. They can't do anything, and they're just going to be horrible this year. Well, probably, maybe, but, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but maybe not. I feel pretty confident about that last one. But One game isn't enough of a trend. <laughs> don't think it's quite that drastic as what we saw in week one. So... Yeah, I'll just that you know if it was if it was twenty and a half, I would probably go with with Pitt here. Oh, but twenty one and a half, that's that's tough. I'll, I'll take I'll take those big points. Okay, next game: Wake Forest at NC State. NC State is favored two and a half. Yeah, it should be a good one. Uh, NC State, uh, they got uh, this is a big one here. If we got wow, why did I just repeat myself there? Good job, Ryan. <laughs> Uh, rough. Well, I had I had my my notes like NC State is favored two and a half, and then I was like, oh, I can't say that. <laughs> oh, I already said that. <laughs> Might as well repeat something it. else. So I'll repeat something else. Ah, <laughs> uh, rough first game here for Wake, but like Trey said earlier, just you can't hold Clemson games against anybody else no. in the ACC. They're just kind of like forget about it. You know, it doesn't really even matter. So not looking really looking to it. I, I will say Hartman. You know, competed. He, he yeah. had some solid moments there. So he was, that was good to see. And uh, against a team like NC State, whose defense was horrible last year, I'm, I think Hartman could have some big moments. So um, that that was positive. NC State, obviously, they were rough last year, ton of injuries. Um, looks like on offense, they're going to go with Devin Leary as the uh, as the QB this year. Got his feet wet last year as a freshman. Oh, you would think he would improve, uh, especially with a lot of pieces around him. Um, Bam Knight at uh, running back for NC State's a good, solid running back. Mm-hmm. Freshman last year looked really good. The old line returns a heck of a lot of starts, and a couple of guys that were injured last year coming back, so they got some experience. Group that offensive group should should be improved. Um, the D should be better too. I think they got some young guys maybe going to be taking a leap forward. Patrick Payton, freshman last year, ended up leading the team in tackles. He uh, wasn't even a starter, I guess, but he he should take a big jump. Uh, could be a big time player at linebacker. So. You know, I, I I think I'm going to have to give the points here. I think NC State's going to do enough in and at home to to maybe take down Wake. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm going to give the two and a half. Uh, I do think Hartman is going to have success against the the NC State secondary, but um, kind of like with Houston, I just think NC State is going to be just really massively improved this year. Maybe more than people think. Um, maybe go back to uh, maybe not quite the the nine and four team type teams that. Doran had but uh, I mean but closer to that than what they were last year um ton of injuries last year they played the second most freshman in the country um so yeah I, I think they'll they'll take a step forward and they've got good pieces around uh Devin Leary so yeah I, I think he'll he'll be yeah. a lot better wow you guys are kind of trying to talk me off my pick I'm gonna go with Wake um they got the game under the belt didn't turn it over against Clemson if they want to look for a silver lining there. Yeah. Obviously, Hartman and the offense is going to fare much better going up against NC State than than Clemson. Uh, and then, you know, NC State about three weeks to a month ago had a 
big COVID outbreak. And I even saw one player mention they didn't even know when they were able going to be, be able to play. So they've had to deal with that a little bit. Uh, I, and I'm just not a huge Dave Doran guy. Um, they, I think they will improve, but they're also going to be breaking in some new coordinators on offense and defense. It's hey, just Tim a, Beck, right? There, Tim Beck is the offensive coordinator. He's been everywhere. It feels like. Yeah, he has. Uh, so he's been all right. He's been solid. You know, he does his yeah. But again, they Leary's going to have to new, learn a, a little bit of a new offense right off the bat here. So I'm just going to take the Demon Deacons and say that Hartman bounces back. Bounces back. Okay, App State minus four and a half at Marshall. Really important game for for both teams, uh, especially if they're looking to make a, a New Year Six bowl. I think for Marshall in that case, it's kind of a must win, uh, and it's going to be tough. App State is is rock solid yet again. The offense is basically the same. I mean, Zach Thomas and, and most of the the key pieces around him are back. Um, I thought the defense would would take a step back this year, um, losing good amount of production. And maybe they will, but game one against Charlotte, they dominated what was a, a pretty good Charlotte offense last year, and they made the quarterback, Chris Reynolds, look really bad. I don't know if Chris Reynolds' injury had something to do with that, but either way, it was impressive. Promising either way. Yeah. Um, but I say that, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to overreact to one game in this case because the freshman quarterback, Grant Wells, for Marshall, looked really good against Eastern Kentucky. I watched all the highlights of that game. And yes, it's Eastern Kentucky, but he was hitting receivers in stride. I was I was really impressed, and he, he's a capable runner too. So if he's half as good as as he looked in that ten minute clip I watched, then maybe they can pull off a cover here. Yeah, I'm taking the points too with Marshall. I I'm going to buy Grant Wells for now, and you know, obviously, like you mentioned, he's not going to do what he did against Eastern Kentucky. But the thing I like about him is that they got he's got five seniors starting on the line ahead of him. Their speed at the skill positions. The receivers looked pretty good in that first game. Uh, four receivers actually caught touchdowns. And mm-hmm. the defense was outstanding, granted, against Eastern Kentucky. That's yeah. not going to, they're zero, not going to, zero. They're not going to duplicate, duplicate that. But um, yeah, Zach Thomas and those boys will do just fine. Uh, and I also like Doc Holliday. I, he's got the coaching edge here going up against the first year head coach, Sean Clark. This is Clark's first big game. It's just one of those games, though, that I, I kind of look at, and it's it's kind of all or nothing. Like, I think App State either wins pretty comfortably or Marshall just wins straight up. So it's it's kind of like Mar- Marshall's legit or they're not, And but I'm going to take Marshall. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you guys. Uh, Marshall's just a good program, and they're a good team. Uh, I don't feel comfortable take, giving up that many points uh, against a good Marshall team. Uh, I'm not sure about Grant Wells. Of course, nobody really is, but... I am sure about Marshall in general. They were a good team last year. He's got a lot of returning production. I was impressed with the D. So yeah, I gotta, I gotta take, uh, take those points and four and a half with the home team. Okay, UCF minus seven and a half at Georgia Tech. What do you think, Trey? I'm gonna go with Central Florida here. Uh, I know Georgia Tech comes in with confidence, beating the Seminoles, but I just trust the UCF offense to do a lot more than what FSU was able to do, uh, only scoring 13. Dylan Gabriel has a ton of, uh, a bunch back, a bunch of speed, skilled players, playmakers around him. Georgia Tech's defense played really well, but UCF's de- offense is a, a, a different uh, different beast. And they're not, I don't see them generating three turnovers like they did last week. So I'm going to go with the better offensive team with UCF. That's fair. Um, I liked what I saw from Georgia Tech here in week one. I think they're a much improved squad, which is no surprise, but... Uh, I think George, uh, Jeff Jeff Sims showed he had a, a lot of upside, so could have a very solid year. Uh, that UCF defense will be solid for sure, but I, again, I'm worried about them a little bit, taking a little bit of a, a dip, especially with those key, key, key couple guys that are out, uh, decided to opt out. Um, I think Georgia Tech is going to be able to move the ball on them. I think they'll be able to keep this one close, and this being UCF's first game. That's Trey's calling card, seems like, today. Yeah. First game, right? So uh, I could see True. a sloppy play from them, maybe a couple of uncharacteristic turnovers or two. Uh, who knows, maybe some misassignments, whatever it is. So I'm going to go ahead and take the, the seven and a half with Georgia Tech. I, I disagree with Ryan. I'm I'm with Trey. I just think this, I think you said it, this this UCF offense is just a totally different beast from, from what uh, Georgia Tech faced against Florida State. And I don't yet trust that Georgia Tech offense to be able to keep up with, with an offense like UCF. So I like UCF minus seven and a half so much here that I'm going to make it my lock. Mm, wow all right uh biggest game of the weekend game day is going to be here it's miami at louisville 
Louisville is favored two and a half, Ryan. Yeah, so we got uh, Louisville minus two and a half here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, just yeah, it's the same exact spread as before. Yeah. You know, I got to keep it going. Uh, yeah, both teams had solid starts uh, to their season, handled business pretty easily against uh, a couple of quality teams here from from Conference USA. You know, Western Kentucky, and you got UAB there. So, um, but I'm going Louisville. Um, don't pay attention to what happened last year uh, in <laughs> Miami. That game has no bearing on what happens this yeah. year. Uh, you know, I just feel confident with Louisville's offense compared to. Miami's. Uh, they are a proven commodity. Uh, Michael, I agree with you that Mikhail Cunningham is one of the most underrated quarterbacks there is out there. And I just think that Louisville has, I have the trust factor with Satterfield too. I know that he's a fantastic coach. Their defense looked much better uh, in week one here against Western Kentucky. Just think it's going to be a flip of the script as as kind of what happened last year uh, in, in Miami. So I'm going with the, with the Cardinals. I feel confident. So I'm going to make them my lock. This is like the first First game I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, this, this is an awesome game. Anxious. To, yeah, it's a good one. Um, I'm also going to go with Louisville and make them my lock. Ooh, boy. I, wow. A lot of people Crap. are going to look at that Western Kentucky score and say they only won 35-21, but the Hilltoppers scored twice on fields of, or uh, drives of one yard and four yards yeah. due to special teams blunders. Did they really? I, li- I like that better than that. when I said it, but yeah. <laughs> We're so bad. <laughs> I said it was like 20 minutes ago. It's fine. <laughs> I we know, record these. We record our audios th- separately, and then we just kind of no, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. no. But I, but honestly, there's some people that only listen to the previews and don't listen well, to the fair. recaps that's or whatever. Fair. But but either either way, the the defense or they just turn Michael off because he's long winded. Uh huh. Also fair. But uh, but no, Louisville defense looked really good last week. Bunch ten tackles for loss, a goal line stand. Obviously, Miami's a, a much bigger, stiffer test, but uh, especially with that run game, Cameron Harris and Derek King. But if I'm a Miami fan, I want to see if King can move move the ball with more with his arm. They only averaged 6.1 yards per attempt last week. That's going to have to improve, uh, especially going up against Louisville. We know they can move the ball, even against a, a really good Miami defense. Cunningham looked great last week. I almost and I almost forgot when we, when we previewed Louisville. I almost forgot about Des Fitzpatrick. He has almost two thousand receiving yards in his career. You know we we talk about Tutu oh, Outwell a lot. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm just going to take the home team Cardinals here. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go with Louisville too. This is a really tough game to pick. I I really like both teams. I'm I kind of want to cheer for both of them uh, just because I think I love the quarterback so much. Um, but I, I guess what I'm looking for here is yeah is I'm going to be more interested when Miami's offense is on the field, I think, because we're, we're trying to see is Miami's offense legit and ha- has Louis or Louisiana has Louisville's defense really taken that step forward like they need to because they were really bad last year. And if they want to be able to, you know, compete for a, an ACC championship, that's that needs to take a step forward. So, uh, yeah, I'm just kind of going to watch and enjoy this one and I guess take Louisville minus two and a half, but not super confident. Uh, OK, let's. Uh, Let's get to some honorable mentions here, Ryan. Yes, I lead us off here. All right. First first game I got is Louisiana Tech at Southern Miss. Uh, Southern Miss favored five and a half, even after that first game debacle. Um, it's a big Conference USA West battle here. These teams were both picked second and third uh, in the conference behind UAB. Uh, so uh, Louisiana was supposed to have already played Baylor. Uh, Louisiana Tech was supposed to have already played Baylor, but that game was postponed. So this will be number one. Uh, I'm going to take the points here with uh, Louisiana Tech. They're a good program. I just have a hard time giving five and a half points with a team like this bad as Southern Miss did in week one and a coach that just left them after one game. It's just not a good look. So give me the five and a half with Louisiana Tech. Uh, Next game, I got the Citadel at Clemson. Um, I love my bookie. It's been great so far. They don't have a spread for this one. Um, So I'll just say Clemson at minus who gives a crap. Um, The Citadel lost 27 to 6 to South Florida last week. So um, this, of course, will be an ugly game. What do you think? What, what would you make the spread in the game? 52, 53. I'll take, I'll take those points. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, USF. Citadel beat Georgia Tech last year. True. They lost 27-6. Clemson upset alert. Upset alert. No, I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Hopefully South this Florida turns out like uh, our Texas Tech conversation of defending Bailey Zappi. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Citadel yeah. just comes out and beats them. 
All right. Uh, so, yes, South Florida here. Going to Notre Dame. Tough road trip. Uh, going to the Irish there. Uh, Irish are favored 25 and a half. Promising first game here for Jeff Scott uh, and the Bulls after beating the Citadel uh, 27-6. Uh, I think Jordan McLeod will be the guy again at quarterback. He started the last game. Cade Fortin was out. Uh, unclear if he'll be back. They also had two other guys play. So we'll probably more than likely see more than one guy at QB in this game for them. Um, Notre Dame kind of let me down last week. I, I went with them. Uh, I'm going back to them. I'm going back to them. They're not going to let me down t- two weeks in a row. So I think they should uh, dominate this. This South Florida team is still in there, you know, figuring things out. And finally, I'm going, uh, we got Austin P. Austin P. gets a lot of pub here early in the year. <laughs> Austin P. at Cincy. Uh, did not see another line on this one again for my bookie. It's just FCS, I guess. Um, but Cincy would be favored by what? I'm, I guessed like maybe 29 or so, right around 28, 29. Uh, let's see. What was, Pitt was like, favored uh, 27. 27. And then Pitt so. killed him. So Cincinnati, I mean, that sounds reasonable. Yeah, right. All right, cool. Maybe a little more. Uh, but I'm interested more. to see this. Yeah, maybe a little bit more, but I'm interested to see what Cincy does on offense here. Um, You know, see what Pitt obviously did to Austin P last week. 33 Uh, on Bet Online. 33, okay. Yeah, a little bit more. Yeah, I was thinking it was a little low, but whatever. All right. Desmond Ritter, interested to see what he can do. uh, uh, See if he can get out of that little bit of sophomore slump he had last year and see with the running backs, how they look without Michael Michael Warren. So, but I'm going to take nobody because I didn't say a spread, but if it's 33. I'll take Austin P. Okay. Charlotte at North Carolina. Tar Heels are favored 29. I'll just lay the points because Charlotte has a, a bad defense. I think Howell will bounce back. And they're missing their quarterback, Chris Reynolds, who I think is the maybe the best quarterback in Conference oh, USA. That's a huge loss. They're going to go with an FCS transfer, Dom Schaffner, which it sounds like a made-up name. It sounds like I just made that up, but I think that's the name. <laughs> uh smu minus 14 at north texas i think this game could be a shootout neither team has a has a good defense i'll bet on north texas to hang around they just put up over 700 yards on houston baptist and the new quarterback jason bean looked pretty good there uh florida atlantic at georgia southern georgia southern's favored one and a half apparently 11 players for fau have tested positive for covid19 this week they also had two players opt out uh, as of right now, though, they plan on on playing the game, um, pending the the results from contact tracing. I think, and just more bad news for for FAU. Before the season, their best receiver John Mitchell injured his knee. He's out for the year. They had already had two other receivers opt out of the season, so they're down to three wide receivers. I read, that's not good. Um, on the other side, Georgia Southern, they had 33 players out last week. Still, don't know quite how many of those are going to be back. So good luck betting this game. I have no idea yeah. <laughs> what to tell you. I'm not even going to make it. a pick. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not going to bet it. Uh, Louisiana, minus 17 at Georgia State. I'm going to go with Georgia State. They've got 17 starters coming back from what was a, a seven-win team last year. Interested to really just watch their their new quarterback, the freshman Quad Brown, see what he can do up against a, a good Louisiana defense. Um and now might be a good time to catch Louisiana. Uh, they're coming off of yeah, a, riding high. a big win over Iowa State. All right, I got Tulsa at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's favorite 23. I feel like everyone and their mother is going to be betting Oklahoma State. We All we hear in the offseason is about their returning production with Chuba Hubbard, Tylen Wallace, Spencer Sanders. And and we've also heard that they're a, you know, a, a dark horse Big 12 title uh, pick. They also added, by the way, Oklahoma State added a Wazoo transfer, Tay Martin, a couple weeks ago. He has 143 career receptions. Uh, they just recently got him. But I'm going to go contrarian, pick Tulsa. They have some firepower of their own. I like Zach Smith. Ton it over 3,000 yards last year. Their running back stable is impressive. Guys like Shamari Brooks leading the way. He has uh, a ton of – Shamari Brooks and Corey Taylor themselves over 1,500 yards each last year – or last few years. A couple transfers as well. Keelan Stokes is back. They're not going to be able to stop Okie State, but they're going to score enough to cover. Navy is playing at Tulane. Tulane's favorite six and a half. What a game to pick. Is Navy as bad as they looked against BYU? I know they didn't get to tackle or have any physical practice, but yikes, it was it was ugly. Uh, as much as I do want to pick them, since not many will, I, I just can't. I have to see if they've hit rock bottom yet. Uh, Tulane, they were shaky against South Alabama, but they were working in their new quarterback, Keon Howard. 
he found his stride in the second half. I like the Green Wave D as well. They they uh, they were great against the run. Had five sacks, twelve tackles for loss. That's just what I want to see going up against a rush offense. So I'm going to take Tulane. I got Troy minus three and a half at Middle Tennessee State. I'm going to say Middle Tennessee bounces back. Asher O'Hara, he's too good not to produce. Troy's defense, they have a bunch of new pieces. Uh, I just don't think they're going to shut them out like like Army did to Middle Tennessee a couple weeks ago. The concern, though, is that Troy offense. They got a lot of weapons to work with, probably the best receiving core in the Sun Belt. Uh, but they got to replace highly productive Caleb Barker at quarterback. They're going to go with Gunnar Watson. I'm just going to take the underdog and say that Middle Tennessee bounces back. And finally, Liberty is playing at Western Kentucky. Hilltoppers are favored 14. This is a tough one. I love Western Kentucky, that D-line, but Pegram through the air just doesn't do it for me. I'm going to take the points. Hugh Freeze and Liberty, they lose a lot of uh, production, mainly their their quarterback, Stephen Calvert. But uh, they got Auburn dual threat transfer Malik Willis, most likely the guy. I just trust um, they got a good old line. I trust Hugh Freeze. He's known for mustering up a good offense. I'm going to say the Flames keep it within 14. All righty. Uh, that does it for our week three picks. Let's close this thing out with a questionable finish. Coastal Carolina gets the spotlight yet again as their matchup against Campbell is the only game on Friday night. Name a time when everyone's eyes were on you. Uh, for me, I'd have to go back to when I was in high school. I was playing basketball, and uh, I remember we had one game. I think it was my sophomore year. We were playing at our rival. Our rival. They're, they're our rival. They're our rival. <laughs> uh, they're our rival. Uh, Lacoste Canyon, that, which featured future NBA star Chase Bettinger. That's right. Oh, yeah. Man, I thought he was going to be yeah. better. I did. Yeah, too. he just, he lacked, he talk about lacking a killer instinct. That guy was, he was athletic. He could step. shoot the three. He was incredible. He was awesome. Um, but anyways, yeah, I didn't really play much of the game, but I got in at the end. Uh, I got, I would drove to the, to the hole and I got, I was going up for a layup. I got blocked like clean as day, but they got, they called a foul. <laughs> uh, so I don't know how, so I went to the line, you know, this was a packed house. It was like, you know, a few thousand people watching and just me. They're all eyes are on me, which I'm shooting those free throws. I, I sunk them both. Thank you nice. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Thank goodness. I couldn't feel my arms, but I, I made them. Uh, okay. Well, mine was uh, going back, not quite to high school, but to college. And my professor was, it was in a big auditorium. And I forget what we were talking about, for, but for some reason, he was trying to make the point that it's difficult to act normal when everyone's eyes are on you. So he decided that he was going to call on a random person. And that person ended up being me, of course. And, uh, and he said, all right, I want you to walk up and down the aisle of this auditorium and just try and walk normal. And we're going to we're all going to judge and see whether it looks normal. <laughs> and <laughs> oh my God. first of all, that that would be I was sweating like that would be tough enough just anyway. But I had also this I'm dead serious. I had just bought new shoes and had realized that day that they were incredibly squeaky. Like I didn't even wear the shoes after oh, this nice. day. But they're really squeaky. So I was like, all right, do I walk down the aisle? Do I try and walk in a normal manner and be super squeaky or do I try and walk like a little bit weird to try and minimize the squeak? And I, I what would you guys do? One or two? I'd walk normal because it's going to squeak either way. Mm. I, maybe I should have yeah, done that. I went with option not. number two <laughs> and it probably. Oh, so you looked awkward. I looked, <laughs> looked awkward and probably painful. squeaked as well. I honestly, I don't even like yeah. my brain. I think blacked it out. I don't quite remember, but it was, I know it's bad. Wow. Wow. Mine's not exciting as you guys, but just today I had a, granted it was a virtual presentation, about 60 people watching. They could see me on camera, you know, in, no, in non-COVID times it would have been in person, but uh, so that was, All right. that was exciting. Hey, right now you you've say. got like over a hundred people watching you on YouTube. That's true. Uh-oh, That's Trey true. just froze. He's like, oh crap, <laughs> my stage fright. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question. Uh, the news of the Big Ten coming back uh, originally came out because of a hot mic at a Nebraska press conference. Uh, I want you guys to pretend that your microphone isn't on right now and say something stupid. Hey, can you uh, can you turn on Big Brother? I really want to watch it. Oh, wow. Shots fired at our mom <laughs> and your wife. No, I, I, no this is... 
No, but it's not. Like, I actually do. That's like a diss on me. I actually like Oh, you like it. No, no, I like it now. I like it now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I like it now. All right. So, I'm, mine is actually like 100% serious, guys. I am still not convinced that girls don't pee out of their butt. Oh, my <laughs> All right, Ryan, do you have anything stupid to say? Uh, yeah, hold on. Let me put myself on mute here. I got to. My wife just walked in. Sorry about that. Hey, sweetie. What's okay, up? No. <laughs> He's not on mute. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we're still doing it. We're in the middle of it right now. How's it going? Oh, God. It's, it's really bad as usual. Trend. <sighs> Michael are just speaking out of their butt. I'm just trying to carry them. They're so bad. It just. Every word is just so dumb. I don't even know what they're doing, but. We're almost done, so, you know, I'll be there shortly. Nice. I feel really dumb, too, because I, I bought it. I thought you were... I was like, dude, you're not on mute. <laughs> I did, too, for one second. I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> oh, wow. Right. by the way, you weren't... Uh, we heard that, so... Oh, what? <laughs> All right, let's get to our upset specials. You got to pick a seven-plus point underdog to win outright. Last week, I took Coastal Carolina. They, they did it. They beat Kansas. Not a, a lot of options this week, but I'm going to take Liberty to win outright as a 14-point dog at Western Kentucky. Trey, you brought it up. Uh, I think Hugh Freeze did name Malik Willis the starter, so that's promising. I mean, a dual-threat option under Hugh Freeze's guidance, I think they could uh, they got a shot. You guys, we, we kind of picked these beforehand. You guys didn't leave me a ton of options, but I'm going to take North Texas. They're getting 14 against SMU. The Mean Green, I think they're going to bounce back this year under Seth Luttrell. Their offense looked pretty good in week one uh, against, what was it, Houston Baptist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that they could they could bounce back and maybe upset SMU here at home. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. Um, all right, here, I'm going to go with, um, let's see, we got Georgia Tech over UCF. Spread's about seven and a half, so it's a very realistic chance there. Tight point mm-hmm. spread. Uh, hopefully, I did hit mine last week. I, I had Arkansas State That's uh, right. beaten K-State, so that was good. But uh, yeah, let's go with Georgia Tech this week. All right. Thanks for listening to the College Football Bros podcast. If uh, if you want to support us, the best way to do so is to subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, $5 a month gets you bonus episodes and access to our Discord chat that we're in uh, every day of the week, but but saturdays especially watching all the games so you can do that at patreon.com slash college football bros and uh, also shout out to one of our patrons ty who's going to be getting married this weekend so congrats to him oh what's up ty yeah, good nice. luck this weekend and we'll talk to everyone next week congrats ty you've been listening to the college football bros if you have any questions for the next podcast email them to college football bros at gmail.com Keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening. Cox can help make your home smarter and your life easier. Now you can use your Contour voice remote to connect to your home life cameras so you can view them right on your TV screen using simple voice commands. That makes it easy to keep tabs on what's happening around your home right from your couch. Need to keep an eye on the kids when they're playing outside? Just say, show me my backyard camera into your Cox voice remote and watch them while you're in the house. And if you're waiting for a delivery and want to make sure it's there on time, no problem. Just say, show me driveway camera to check on it with your Home Life HD cameras on the TV screen while you go about your day. When you live in a home powered by Cox Internet, you can stay connected to what matters and let Cox take care of the rest. To learn more about all the benefits of your connected home, visit cox.com thisishome today.